This is Leader ReadyCast, a monthly podcast featuring real-world lessons, best practices, and action-oriented insights for the urate moments when you're called upon to lead. Leader ReadyCast is the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I've long been fascinated with informal leaders. As someone who studies and teaches leadership, I see that a lot of attention goes to those informal leadership roles. However, a lot of what really gets done in organizations and done in our communities is thanks to those who don't carry a big title or a lot of authority. They simply see a problem that needs to be solved, they mobilize people, and take care of it. In my view, they are leading in every important aspect of the term. One network of informal leaders is the Military Spouse Advocacy Network, or MSAN. We at the MPLI are fortunate to be working with them for the third year in MSAN's leadership development program. In preparing this year's program, I was on a call with some of the participants. One was addressing food insecurity among active duty military personnel. Another was working to bring veteran services to rural communities. And yet another was concerned about the education of the children of military families. These are big issues. They're urgent issues. And these military spouses are volunteering their time, their energy, and their expertise to address them. To me, it's meta-leadership at its best. So in this episode, we're going to discuss MSAN and the broader topic of informal leadership. I think there's a lot there, a lot of power untapped when we look to our informal leaders. To explore this today, my guests are Veronese Castillo, founder, CEO, and president of MSAN, and Whitney Armstrong. Whitney is on the MSAN board of directors and is the organization's former vice president of development and strategy. Veronese and Whitney, welcome to Leader ReadyCast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This is wonderful. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Thank you so much for your time. So to get our listeners up to speed, can you tell us more about MSAN and its mission? And Veronese, let me start with you. Yes, uh, Eric, thank you so much. You know, it, it was so nice that you just addressed two of the things that, that you were able to, to hear from those military sponsors, just food insecurity uh, and the, uh, the education for our kids. There's so many challenges that we see within our community. This is the reason why MSAN uh, is now uh, supporting military families because we live through it. And uh, we wanted to bring a nonprofit organization, a program that will support military spouses from day one. And making sure the military spouses had the education that they needed, such as identifying resources. Uh, we also wanted them to have the support, which it was through a 24-7 peer-to-peer mentorship. All of, our, all of our volunteers and mentors are now trained um, mental health allies, because we want to make sure that we know how to talk to our mentees and how to be able to provide the support that they need. As you know, it is a worldwide problem right now that there is a, uh, a problem in trying to get a hold of a therapist, of a counselor. Military families are dealing with, with our problems sometimes even times too, because every time that we move. So we wanted to make sure that all of our volunteers were, were trained to be that the first responder when it comes to uh, a crisis or a military spouse that is just looking for someone to talk to. And then, of course, we have a leadership program. Uh, it is a four-month training, virtual training, that is providing all military spouses all over the world the opportunity to receive training to become leaders within their community. So if you take a look, it's a full circle. A spouse that comes to us, getting educated on resources, receiving peer-to-peer mentorship, 
getting excited, getting empowered, and then at the end, they receive leadership training to now pay it forward and become leaders within their communities. Thank you. And Whitney, how large is the MSAN network, and what are some of the projects that uh, MSAN members are working on? Network is very large, and so um, really there are over 1.1 million military spouses living amongst us in our communities. And what we want to highlight are the fact that we have several hundred thousand that come to us and utilize our different programming. We have virtual support um, and really the different things that they're working on. When you think about it, military spouses make up the fabric of America. We're a very diverse community. We have folks who are teachers, doctors, nurses, and lawyers. We have folks who are stay-at-home parents. We have folks who serve themselves in dual military households and our veterans. Many of them care so deeply about the things that affect their daily lives. But on top of that, they are spouses to military members. And that comes with a unique set of challenges and barriers oftentimes. And so whether that's moving every couple of years, whether that is reloc well, within the moving sector, relocating brings about, you know, finding new doctors and schools and all the different challenges that come alongside that. In addition to that, employment is a huge issue within the military community. Much of that is contributed because of the military spouse unemployment rate um, is very high and the, the relocation really affects that. Some of the things that our individuals are working on within MSAN are things that really affect their daily lives. So like you mentioned, food insecurity, military child education, but beyond those who are interested in helping their own community within the military network, they're also interested in helping their communities outside, those where they live and work every single day. Even if they're only there for a year or two, they really pour their time and attention and energy into making the place better where they currently live. And that's something that really inspires us and something we wanted to make sure to pour our time, attention, and resources into because these things are already happening on a daily basis. These are spouses who are invested in their communities, many of whom are doing this on a volunteer role so that they can make sure to make their communities around them better before they leave it in the next couple of years. And so we wanted to really um, emphasize that and amplify that and give them better tools and resources to succeed and eliminate some of those barriers, whether that's geographical, whether that's financial constraint, whether that's employment. And so by creating our programming around making sure we remind ourselves of those barriers and removing those, it allows those military spouses to have access to some of these things to to better their communities. Wow, several hundred thousand Highly competent, highly motivated, highly committed individuals ready to go tackle problems. That, that's an amazing resource for this country and communities around the world. Now, I mentioned earlier that the topic of informal leadership, and I think one of the interesting things about informal leaders is they can sometimes be hard to spot until you see them in action. And then it's like, whoa, you can't miss them because they're just getting stuff done. So one of the things I like about MSAN is that you're making these leaders more visible and connecting them to each other. Tell us about the leadership development program you put together and what you hope it will accomplish. And Veronese, let me turn to you with that one. Yes, definitely. You know, the um, something that the military spouses are known for is that we are the backbone of the military. And it is very true. A lot of the times that comes with some heavy weight and responsibility. Uh, we always want to make our community better. We want to improve things. We want to make changes. 
Um, but a lot of the times we don't know how to do it, where to start, where to go. And, and I'll tell you that so many of us as military spouses that want to make a difference or make a change, we probably feel that we don't we don't have the skills or or that we don't know how to how to move forward with that. But I'll tell you, Eric, that military spouses are really leaders. We we learn about better leadership. Uh, military spouses, most of the time, do not realize that they are already leaders within their community. Our lifestyle is already a lifestyle that is that is lead, that we are leading within the crisis. Our our lifestyle is unpredictable. We are dealing with deployments, with uh, constant moves. We we change countries. We change everything. So our lifestyle is so unpredictable, and we are leading within crisis. Our families. In our in our husband's careers or our spouse's careers, and and that is something the spouses with this training they are identifying that you know what you are already a leader, you are already leading within crisis, you are a meta leader, and and this is just we're just gonna help you polish the skills because you have them. It's just that probably you don't know how to identify them, you don't know they're already there. So we're gonna teach you the the walk in the woods and all of those things that you need to learn in order to be able to accomplish the goals that you have. But but I'll tell you, Wendy and I were some of those military spouses that we believe that, oh, you know what, I wish I could make that difference that I wanna see in the world. But sometimes we just didn't know how to do it. And we were waiting for an opportunity for someone to believe in what we were trying to do so they can they could say, you know what, here's an opportunity. And this is exactly what it's going to look like. And and, and thanks to, to you guys, to MPLI or Harvard University, that, that we are able to bring this to military spouses. Because like I said, the skills are there. We are really leading that, um, that type of leadership. It's just that we don't know that it's actually that it has a name, that it has a title, and and there are ways how to put it all together and be able to accomplish those things that we want to do. So this training is doing exactly that, is is helping spouses to not feel that, yeah, I just have an idea, but to know that they have the idea, they have the skills, and now we're providing them the opportunity to make it happen. And uh, Winnie, what, I mean, I, I can give this to Winnie as well, because she has a wonderful perspective on this. Whitney, I've got a couple of takeaways, but you want to jump in before I do that? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think really all that I want to add is, is the incredible things we've seen come out of this is this mentality that we're providing agency, something that sort of took us by surprise. We figured might happen, but it's been just a resounding answer from all of our participants so far. The program is in its third year. We've had over 2,500 interested applicants over the three years. Um, each program, there are 50 spots uh, selected that we have for each cohort. And so this year, we're getting to that 150 mark as we make our way through our third cohort. And with that, we're seeing, as the network continues to grow, individuals connecting with one another to amplify their impact. They are finding the same challenges. They may be halfway across the world from one another. They're finding the same challenges that they share. And they're trying to get down to the bottom of solving that problem. And by working together and doing so and forming that swarm, they're able to then really make progress and move the needle on that situation. And so that's something that's been really amazing for us to see. And then also by giving them agency, by feeling empowered, even just by making it into the program, we have a pretty strict um, you know, application process. And those that are selected are amazed that they're selected. And honestly, I can tell you right now, Eric, we can select all of them. All of them that apply deserve to be selected. And so that's what's been really tricky, but also really empowering to see how many are interested and how many truly deserve this training. 
So I just want to encapsulate for our listeners some of what I'm taking away from the, the comments you the two of you just made. I mean, one is that with people who are informal leaders, sometimes you need to remind them that they can lead without having the title, without having a master's degree in leadership. It doesn't require a lot of formal qualifications. It's the ability to identify a problem, to motivate people, to, to bring them together, to be able to put together a basic plan and get people moving in the same direction to solve it. And uh, Whitney, as you just said, I mean, giving people agency and empowering them, uh, giving them permission to go do what they what they see needs to be done and getting them started. I mean, Bernice, you mentioned that sometimes people don't know where to get started. I, what I'm hearing and what, I, what I've seen in my own work is that People sort of know, they, they sort of know how to get started, but they aren't sure they can get started. And so I think what I see you doing and what I would encourage others who are working with informal leaders is to is to give them permission, push them out of the nest a little bit. And yes, give them some basic skills if they if they need them or if they ask for them. Uh, but be sure you, you give them the agency, you give them the permission, you give them the power to go do what they want to go do. Uh, because informal leaders, they tend to step up on their own. They start to. And they just want to make sure they're not going to get shot down when that happens. And so what I think what you're doing with your program is really good. And you're getting people fired up and giving them the confidence more than anything else. Because you're right. Everyone I've talked to, they come with a tremendous skill set. They come with a tremendous commitment. They they have an idea of where they, what they want to get done. It's giving them the confidence to say, hey, I can lead. I can I can step up and do this. You've each mentioned, and I, you know, a little, bit, a little bit of inside baseball for the folks who don't know the MPLI well who are listening, but we heard the mention of swarm leadership. Uh, Veronese, you mentioned the walk in the woods, which is a method for interest-based conflict resolution and negotiation. Whitney, let me start with you here. What are some of the core either skills or uh, tools or techniques you found that the military spouses benefit from? So what do they already come with? What have they benefited from? And what have participants told you has been most valuable about the experience? You know, the diversity of the cohorts that we have, really, they come with a broad range of skill sets and, of course, a broad range of interests as well. As I mentioned before, you know, they are working on a variety of different topics, and that can come from some of them are doctors, lawyers, teachers, superintendents. They work with children. Um, they're managers of their household. And so when you have a, a diverse cohort like that, you really want to meet the needs of each individual. And so the topics that MPLI brings to the table to include communication, crisis, communication, crisis collaboration, working with others to get something done, that swarm leadership and that walk in the woods, how do you navigate the unique circumstance or a conflict? These things are broad enough topics that these individuals then are able to apply them to their individual life and the individual situation that they're working on. And then they do so in conversation with their fellow co cohort members to really walk through this and what this look, what looks like. And so throughout the course of the four-month program, they're able to really place these things on their life and make positive changes and sort of inch forward and in what they hope this to look like. And so what's really interesting and what we've heard from them that they have found to be most valuable, one of those is communication, getting what you want to say across and who is it that you need to work with, what stakeholders are, are out there that you need to engage to make sure that this situation is heard or this problem is heard, many of these spouses are on those grassroots levels of various organizations. In fact, just last year within our, our cohort in 2022, we had over 25 different community organizations represented within just the one cohort. 
And so when you think about the ripple effects of the tools that these individuals took back to their own respective organizations and the change that they were able to make because of it is really, really amazing um, and a, a positive benefit that we've seen sort of grow from this program. And so communication has been a huge part into where they see being able to take that moment that you might have a seat at the table. If you don't have a seat at the table, how can you maybe ask for one? Uh, or maybe who do you need to get to to ensure that that doesn't happen again? And so that can be something that can be very challenging uh, and something that we've heard, heard from participants have, has been most valuable is taking that opportunity when you do get it. And if you don't have it yet, how can you create a space and, uh, and create that for others in the community? Or as I believe it was Shirley Chisholm who once said, if they don't give you a chair, show up with one. And it's <laughs> learning to have the confidence to do that. Now, Veronese, I'm guessing that one of the things, the other things that they find very valuable is being connected to each other and actually having that shared experience and being able to spend the, the four months learning from each other. Can you speak a bit to that? Yes, definitely. You know, that's one of the uh, one of the wonderful things about this program that we are providing uh, this this cohort the opportunity to build relationships, uh, and it's it's beyond networking and just getting to know each other uh, during those four months, but it's actually collaborating. And we have a um, an example of two of the, uh, the the members of the cohort. They got together so that they could bring the skills and the, the knowledge that they had from this training and brought it to to the uh, the organization they work for. And they were sharing and they were helping other military spouses to uh, to identify certain things. And we're talking about sometimes if you have military spouses, they are trying to have those tough conversations. They are trying to, to bring um, a solution to conflict, that they are trying to, to bring a better critical thinking uh, of a, a plan that they have. The, uh, the skills that they are learning and how they are applying it even after the cohort, because now they're coming together because they're working on a, in a mutual similar idea that they have and they are bringing it to a wider community uh, of a population. It is wonderful for us to see that there was, there was part of the idea of the program, but to see it happening so quickly within the first, the second, the third year, this is happening and we get the testimonies from, from the cohort telling us, I brought this to my employer, I brought this to a group of other spouses, I brought this to my local community, and now this is the change that we are making. And, and our, our leaders graduating are now empowering others and, and helping them identify the skills that they already have and just helping them make it, make it bigger and, and be able to accomplish the goals that they have. Again, I think this is a, is a takeaway for our listeners who are thinking about the informal leaders they may have access to. You know, it, when you're in an organization and you're physically co-located, people find each other. These informal leaders, and there's a lot of research to show that the informal networks in organizations are as important as the formal networks in terms of actually getting things done. It's much harder, as you say, with military spouses who are not connected in any way except that they are also military, other military spouses there. So you aren't uh, necessarily part of that same sort of formal organization. And so I think what you're doing is really powerful there, and others should think about that. How do you bring, you know, find ways to bring people together, have them share, they will form bonds, they'll find new ways to do more things. And it's it's that secret sauce of finding the opportunities to bump and connect or have a shared experience. And so this is an example of how that works. Now, I have a question, and, and either of you can jump in and take this one first. Have you found that, that by bringing people through this program, 
uh, that you're increasing their effectiveness? Have they been telling you they've been getting more done? And, and are you getting more support as you acknowledge the work that they are doing? Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> um, we are. We have found we love data and we love research back information. And so from the very beginning of the program, we've been able to collect where are they at at the beginning of the program and where do they feel that they are at the end of the program. And then throughout at, after every module, and they'll tell you this, the one thing we ask of them is that they provide their feedback. Um, after every single thing, because we're continuously working on this program to make it even better, to make sure that we're meeting the needs, uh, the unique needs of this community. What we've seen out of this data is that after just after last year, even 100% of them, 100% of them are inspired to accomplish more for their community, whether that's local and or the military community. And then also 94% of them reported that they grew their professional networks to access opportunities for social impact. That's amazing. Those are such high numbers and something that has sort of grown out of this. Um, you know, something that is, is a cliche and we hear it often and those who are in the civilian community, maybe you've never heard this, but we're oftentimes told in the military community, you need to bloom where you were planted. Military families move so often that you get planted maybe every couple of years. And sometimes it's kind of hard to bloom <laughs> and you may not have all the tools and resources to bloom. It may not be so sunny <laughs> or maybe it may not be a lot of water. Um, but what we hope to do is, is despite those locations that you, that you find yourself in, that you are able to take those tools and sort of recreate them in the locations you end up. And so what's really interesting about this um, is that as we, as we pour into them, we see the networks continuing to grow. And so this year, getting up to 150 participant members and obviously several thousand interested and, and the growth of the program is there. The need is there. The request is there from interested applicants. And so, you know, the question is, where do we take it? And we've seen some really increased interest from the DUD, which is wonderful. Military leaders increased from corporations and foundation support. Um, and so with that, I'll throw it over to Veronese to to discuss sort of what's next because, you know, the need is there, what we're doing is working. And so um, over to you to share a little bit more about what's to come. Thank you, Wendy. You know, the, uh, this, this training, this program that we are offering is, is getting attention at a DOD level from military leaders, uh, from leaders within our communities because they see the value of it. And uh, as you guys were talking earlier, we had a, a over 2,500 military spouses have shown interest in, for this program in three years. We can only select 50 a year. Um, we are very, very grateful because and now the uh, is getting attention from, from those that can help us to expand this program and be able to offer this opportunity uh, to more military spouses. So there are wonderful things coming and we will have a big announcement in, in November. Uh, but we are very happy that then now um, more military spouses will have the opportunity to receive this wonderful uh, training. And, uh, and you know, that's only going to reflect in our communities and our communities are just gonna get better because we're providing more opportunities. Yeah, I, I love that analogy you used, uh, Whitney, of uh, bloom where you're planted. 
And I think a lesson here for, again, for others who are working with informal leaders is that, well, the informal leaders, I think, are sometimes looked at as, as wildflowers. They just have spring up wherever they happen to be. They also, when you're showing through this program, is they benefit from a bit of tending and fertilization, too. A little, a little care, uh, a little nurturing uh, really helps them bloom uh, profusely. And so uh, I, I'm glad to see this investment is working off. And, and as again, as somebody who teaches leadership for a living, I'm always happy to hear stories when leadership development can show that it's it's paying off at the other end, because so often people think it's some mystical process, and yet it's really hard to measure at the other end. And you guys are doing a great job of, of man managing the the outcomes here. Now, as you think of, of what you've done over the last three years, and where you know, if you were advising others who have networks or hidden so hidden networks of informal leaders, what advice would you give them to to help have them have the, some of the same success that you have had? And Veronice, let me start with you. Yes, you know the um, leaders are everywhere, and like you said or, or earlier, we don't need a title, we don't need a position that will label us as leaders of something. We are all leaders. We all have some skills that we can bring to the table to to be able to do something in this world. And and I feel that they're hidden everywhere uh, within our community. Uh, it's very very common. Uh, but it is our, our our responsibility to be able to to bring opportunities and and and, and, and offer them the uh, that door where they're going to be able to get out there and be able to do wonderful things. So something to consider and to remember: leaders are everywhere, and they're hiding because they don't see themselves as leaders, but we know they're out there. So it is our responsibility to bring those opportunities so they now they feel empowered and they have the knowledge that they need and they are able to identify themselves as leaders and 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 make things better. But something to always to remember they're everywhere. We just need to provide them the opportunities to to bring their skills to the table. Whitney? Yeah, you know, to, to piggyback off of that, you yourself need to be visible, be out there. Can't have anyone following you or joining alongside you or combining with you if you're not out there. You've got to be visible. You've got to be. You've got to be conversational and you've got to communicate. You know, you need to give others that agency, that permission. That one, it's okay to exist, and two, their idea is is worth time and investment. However much they can invest um, of their time into that. But, but go alongside them, you know, and, and allow them to be visible as well. They're not just a teacher. They're not just a spouse to a military member. They're not just anything. And where they're currently at, they can lead from the side. They can lead up. They can lead <laughs> diagonally. <laughs> you know, there are really interesting ways to be able to utilize those school, skill sets that you already have. Like she said, polish them off, you know, and, and Eric, I love like you, what, that you said, um, fertilize, you know, a little bit. Um, spouses and military members are, are oftentimes when we relocate, we're taken away from some of our networks. Uh, those that are sort of already built in for the rest of us, right? Maybe your family support system or friends that you had since growing up. And so when you're sort of plucked and then replanted in a new location and you don't have any of those things, you don't have any of those existing familiar support networks, you're sort of forced to build them on your own. And so I would encourage those that work with informal leaders to really look for ways to help others build that, build those sort of hidden networks, um, whether that's a commonality and in interest, whether that's a business resource group, whether that's whatever that looks like, encourage others to sort of come up with that idea and create those 
those networks for themselves, aside from those that are kind of maybe already built in and the location that you live. That's great. Thank you. Whitney, I'm going to stay with you for my final question, which is one I ask all of my guests. You know, military families and their communities are facing a lot of challenges. That's why your network is out there doing good things, trying to make things better. But amidst all those challenges, what gives you hope? What gives me hope, Eric, is, is our community. The people, the, the bios that you see of our participants within our cohorts. Um, and then all the applicants as well, as I mentioned before. These are the individuals that give me hope. They really make up the fabric of our country. They are passionate individuals who are taking their time and attention aside from their daily lives to pour into the lives of others. And by doing so and taking the step to participate in something like our program, to better themselves, to make sure that they can make a greater impact. So those individuals are what gives me hope because they really truly reflect the beautiful diversity of our country and what's ahead and the positive social impact that they have the ability to, to change. And Veronese, last word to you. What gives you hope? Man, so similar to what Whitney said. Um, military spouses is is what gives me hope because we see what they wanted, what they wanted to do, because we see their their hopes, because we see their dreams, because we see their goals. And and the fact that they were able to do something about it, it keeps us empowered. I'll, I'll tell you that Whitney and I feel so empowered and 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 so happy about being able to do what we do after we read hundreds of applications and, and, and we are able to see, man, all this wonderful group of people of military spouses are just going to change the world, are just ready to do things. And that is the hope that we have because not only our community will be better off, but because our local communities will be better off. And like when he said earlier, yeah, we move every two or three years, but you know what? We always want to leave things better than we found them, regardless if it's our local community is a, is a civilian community, even if we're just there for a little while. Military spouses, we have the commitment, we have the passion, we have the vision that we wanna make things better because this is where we live, this is what our spouses are fighting for. So we wanna make sure that our country and our local communities and, and everyone else that is related to us has a better, a better life, a better world. And uh, my hope is that, um, is, is military spouses. They keep me in power. They, they keep me going. And, and and no matter the challenges that we face every time that we think about that one military spouse that we were able to support, that one military spouse that came to us uh, feeling lost, isolated, uh, feeling that they had no community, they were able to find that with MSAN and through the uh, leadership training. This is exactly the reason why we do what we do. And it keeps us with hope and excitement and empowerment every day, Eric. Yeah, one of the things that gives me hope is conversations like this one and certainly the interactions I've had with the members of your network. There's a lot of really committed people out there doing good work in our communities. My guests for this episode have been Veronese Castillo and Whitney Armstrong of the Military Spouse Advocacy Network. You can find more about them at militaryspouseadvocacynetwork.org. And until next time, remember that you're it. Be ready to lead when it matters most. This has been another episode of Leader ReadyCast from the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts and find out more about us at npli.sph.harvard.edu. Follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. 
Thanks for listening and be ready to lead.